This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. A couple weeks ago, um, we talked about faith and crisis, and uh, I decided that we're just going to kind of continue kind of along that vein, and so today I'm going to be talking about the function of faith, and if you guys didn't get some notes, maybe the ushers, uh, yeah, wave your hand at the usher, he'll wave back, and if he doesn't have a sheet of paper, he'll get you one, and you can write it down. I know some of you guys are hardcore. You don't like the notes. Some of you guys like the notes. And, uh, you know, you just do whatever you feel comfortable doing. And uh, the ones that are real learned, they'll remember more. And we won't judge anybody that doesn't write the answers down. There won't be a test afterwards. And uh, so it's really been cool. We've been, uh, been uh, using the outlines in the youth uh, and the kids, man, it's so cool. They, they're, they're just like writing these notes down. Now, there are a few that doodle. Um, uh, one of my leaders, Rusty Hunter, he's drawn stick figures and things of trees and houses and stuff. So I don't know that he's really getting anything out of it. But however it is that you learn, uh, I just encourage you to, to make the most of it. And so you know, I just want to talk here just for a minute, just to kind of, you know, start off. We can have fun in church, right? I just saw this uh, picture here this week, but you guys have all seen some of the memes that are going on. If 2020 was a sandwich, right, a peanut butter sandwich, it would be flipped the opposite way. And for all those that, you know, like me and my son who can't stand anything on our fingers, it just drives you absolutely mad, right? That's kind of the way 2020 is. It's like with every passing week or month, it's like, what, what next, right? Here's another one. If uh, 2020 was a slide, it's so funny because we were in, we were down in Glenwood at a graduation party and I took my uh, son and my daughter, uh, Emily, they're my youngest two, and when we got done, there in Glenwood, they had this old park, and I mean, they have this, they have this metal slide that I'm not kidding you, I bet you it's 30 feet long. And so Emily, or no, was Will, man, he was so excited. He's like, yeah. So he runs over there and he gets on top. And I mean, he shoots down this thing like a bullet. And it was kind of one of those America's Funniest Home Videos moments because it's like trip, trip, trip. And then he's, you know, lands face first. And so uh, anyway, my, the next one and kind of the reason I, I brought these pictures is this one here. Going to ask my mom if that offer to slap me into next year is still on the table. My mom never slapped me, but is there anybody? No, don't raise your hand. Never mind. (laughs) It's like one of those, yeah, mom, go ahead and slap me into next year. I'm ready for 2021. (laughs) So, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're truly in a, in a, in a crazy time right now with history and uh, the emotions these days seem to be all over the gamut. You know, there's frustration, there's anger, there's people that are bewildered, there's people that have grief, there's people that are overwhelmed, helpless. You know, during, during the, the lock-in, there were people that were bored, um, confused, excited, anxious, mad, troubled, fear. Some people are sad. You know, and so, you know, with these emotions, it's okay to have emotion, but uh, we just can't be led by our emotions. And, uh, you know, and when we talk about faith in a crisis, we don't always feel God's peace and direction or victory. But today I want to talk about uh, the, the function of faith in our lives. Um, and, and the first thing I want to do, if you look in your notes, there are just some of the wrong responses that we can have when it comes to crisis. Number one being that we live in denial. We live in denial. Now, if I ask the women in this place, any women that are married, 
you guys know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to denial. Have you ever been lost? And you ask your husband, do we need to stop and ask for directions? <laughs> and what, in, what, what, what follows? Denial. Absolutely not. I don't need to stop for directions. I know exactly where I'm going, right? And then, and then the argument kind of grows, right? Because now we have GPSs in our car. And it's like, well, Google Maps is wrong or Apple Maps is wrong. And there's this big thing. But at the end of the day, us men, we're in denial that there's anything wrong. We're in denial that we, right, we know where we're at. So, I don't know, I think I touched a nerve there with some people. There's some couples that are looking very sternly at me. So, number one, we can't live in denial, you know, and we can't, you know, we, we tend to ignore the problem and kind of act like it's going to go away. But, but the reality of it is, is that just because we say that there isn't a, a problem doesn't mean that there isn't a problem. We pre- pretend that it's not there, and it only makes it worse. And so when it comes to this, this denial is a wrong response. Number two, we medicate. So our goal is to numb the fear or the pain. You know, it can be with alcohol. It can be with food. Uh, we can medicate with online shopping. <coughs> Amazon, right? You know? We, things aren't going right. It's like, okay, I'm going to go buy that, or I'm going to go buy that, or I'm going to buy this new car, or whatever it is. You know, we, we medicate. We try to salve that, that feeling that's going on, whether it may be video games, it could be TV, um, or like I like to kind of consider it the overs, oversleeping, overeating, overspending, right? That's a wrong response, and most of us don't have a money problem. We just have this problem where we're, we're trying to medicate that. And so number three is that we run from it. We run from it. People move from one house to another, one city to another, one church to another. That's a wrong response. We're talking about the wrong responses. We're talking about the responses that, that don't involve faith. You know, the problem uh, is that a storm follows you. I like what uh, uh, my brother's father-in-law says, everywhere you go, there you are. You know, and so maybe it's not the crisis, but maybe it's something in our lives that we just need to deal with and we need to face you know, and so that's when, when we run from something, that's, that's a wrong response. Another response is, is that we surrender to it. It's just the way it's going to be. Or I have to just live with this now. You know, um, here's some other ones that you've heard. It must be the Lord's will. That's a wrong response. Another one is, is God must be trying to teach me something. Or I must have gotten too proud and the Lord is humbling me. You know, these are wrong responses. He, he's not out to, to, to take from us. He's not out to, to uh, pay us back for something that we did. You know, another one that you hear a lot of times is, is that God's in control. Can I tell you that God is not in control? How do, I, how do we know that? We know that because, because of what Adam did. He's, he, his actions basically gave up the authority and the power to the enemy and and that the devil is is our adversary and he is the god of this world so if god was in control i think he's maybe not doing a very good job and so we have to understand that that yes he has he has through his son jesus given us the authority and the power but we are in a world we're just not of it and we have to recognize that there is an enemy who is out to what steal kill and destroy But what did Jesus do? He came that we might have life 
and have it more abundantly. And so we have to understand that in times of crisis, right, it's not God trying to teach us something. It's not, it's, he's not out to, to get us. He cares about us. He wants us to live in victory. And we have to understand what is what. We have to understand these principles that are true. They're spiritual truths that we have to live by. And so we have to understand that he, um, is, he's, he wants us, he wants good for us. And so number six, or I'm sorry, number five, we try to buy our way out. That's a, a wrong response. We try to buy our way out. You know, why are people hoarding? Because they're in fear, because uh, they feel out of control. Things are, are not normal. And so we saw that, you know, back in March and April with, with the whole toilet paper thing. It was, it was almost laughable, you know. We can laugh now. But the reality of it is, is that that's what's, what's taking place when people are in crisis. It's a wrong response. It's the wrong thing to do in a crisis. You know, money will buy a bed, but it won't buy sleep. It'll buy books but it won't buy brains. Money will buy food, but it won't buy an appetite. It will buy jewelry, but not beauty. It'll buy a house, but not a home. It'll buy medicine, but not health. It'll buy amusement, but not happiness. It'll buy a crucifix, but not a savior. Look in your notes there. It says, a crisis will make us better or bitter. A crisis will make us better or bitter. The next one is it'll draw us closer to God or it will take us farther away from God. It will make us stronger or it will make us weaker. You know, when I think about these three points, I think about David, you know, and how David was being chased by Saul and then he was out with his, you know, his band of brothers and they're out, you know, and they're, they're, they're in war and, and they, they're, they're, they're trying to uh, uh, take this kingdom for Israel, but they came home. To their, to their ziklag, to their city. And, the, you know, they had been three days away and they're, they're coming back and they, they see these columns of smoke. And all of a sudden they realize that the city that, that, that was home, the city where their family was, the city where their kids were, was going up in smoke. And so there they, go, they come in and they realize that the city had been burned, that it was completely in ruins and that all of their loved ones and their kids and their families were gone. You know, I think about, you know, if you put yourself in David's position, these points, you know, where it's like, did he get better or did he get bitter? Because if you remember in the story, David, David, you know, these guys, these guys were mighty men of valor is what the Bible says. They were, they were strong and they wept until they could weep no more. And just when it couldn't get any worse, you know, just when, when the, when the barrel is on top of David, all of the friends and these comrades, these guys that he accepted into the group and loved and, and encouraged, talk of stoning him. You know, so it goes from bad to worse. And I, I tell you, you know, in a moment like that, David could have really just decided, you know what, I don't know what this is all about, Lord. And, and he could have gotten bitter. My family's gone. My wives are gone. My kids are gone. It burned the city. And now my friends don't care for me. So he had that choice of whether or not he was going to get better or get better. And we know what he did. It's just as we made the point. He drew close to God. He went to God. He cried out to God. And he asked God, hey, should we pursue? And God said yes. He got a word from God. And so we can see in that story that he didn't get bitter. He got better. And that when he drew close to God, 
He, he, he drew strength from God, and that's exactly what we need to be doing is in our lives. That is the right response. And so how does our faith function in crisis? If you guys want to turn, if you brought your Bibles, uh, we're going to look at the, the book of Philippians chapter 4 and uh, see what it has to say about our function, the function of faith in a time of crisis. Philippians 4, 6, or I'm sorry, 4, 4 through 6, it says... Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Some of us need that, right? I need that every once in a while, right? When, I, when I'm struggling with joy, I need, my, I need Paul or my wife to say, hey, rejoice. Have some joy. What it, go, what it goes on to say, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. It goes on to say in verse 6, don't worry about anything. Some of us need to just stop and just absorb that phrase that Paul is saying. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. So number one in your notes, as people of faith, we have to substitute worry with prayer. We have to substitute worry for prayer. And, and, and you know, when, the, when times come and crisis come and temptation comes, that needs to be the first thing that we do. And, I, and, and we all know the challenge in that. A lot of times it's like, oh my God, you know, how am I going to make this happen? And, and we, we don't think about the fact that just a simple uh, momentary pause and say, Lord, this is what's going on. I need your help. We minimize his ability to help us in our lives. And I didn't put this in your notes, or, or I don't know if it's on the screen. John, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 6, 25 and 33 says it this way, that this is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. For all that you have need of will be provided. All that you have need of will be provided. Such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. It's, it's there more than your life than a meal. Isn't it your body more than clothing? You know, it goes on to say, he talks about the birds and he talks about the plants. You know, and, and what that shows me is, is that, that even the lowest of things, the lowest of things God sees and he cares for and, he, and he's there to provide it. I mean, oftentimes I'll be driving down the road and, and I'll never forget, actually, I'll never forget that time where I, I shot my first bird. It was a barn swallow at 12, what was it? 12866 320th Street. I got this new Ryder BB gun and I shot this bird and all of a sudden this, in my heart I was like, that verse of scripture came to me. That he sees the birds that fall to the ground as I just killed this. Now those barn swallows are kind of a you know, nuisance. you know, but, but isn't that just like our God? That he cares for us. It goes on to say, look what it says here in verse 31. So then, forsake your worries. I like what that says. Forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will I eat or what will I drink or what will I wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know that you have these things your body requires? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from Him. Number Verse 34, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way. One day at a time, tomorrow will take care of itself. So just as we read, 
Prayer changes things. We know that the, ver- the Word of God and Jesus and Paul, they're, they're basically admonishing us, listen, you don't have to worry. But the instructions that are given to us is that if worry comes, if, if you're tempted to worry, what do we need to do? We need to pray. We need to ask God to, to help in every circumstance. I can remember here years ago when uh, my son was uh, uh, younger, uh, there, we had the Fall Family Festival. And uh, they were needing uh, an outfit because they all get these outfits. It's so funny because we still have these outfits. And every once in a while, Will will come upstairs dressed in kind of a, a you know, just a, a, a compilation of years of, you know, outfits. Like he'll have a turtle shell, uh, American, you know, <laughs> shield and, you know, all this stuff. So anyway, my son was one of, uh, what is it, American, What? Captain America, that's it. Captain America. He's wanting this Captain America thing. And so they called Walmart. And, and they're like, no, we don't have it. And so Rachel's driving down the highway to town because fall festival's coming up in a few days. We've got to find something. And so she just tells the kids, let's just pray. And so in the van, they prayed. And they get to the store, and they're looking around. Yeah, man, everything's really, really picked over. And then all of a sudden, you know, they just kind of looked at one little thing, and there was a Captain America outfit that fit him. You know, and, and, and it was a great example to our kids that even in the smallest and the silliest of things, right? I know that there wasn't much worry there. Maybe there was for, for Andrew because he's very, very, you know, it's like, this is what I want. This is what I want, you know? And when he doesn't get that, he can kind of be bummed out. But, but in that moment, that simple time where it's just like, hey, let's just pray. And, and, and God just showed himself strong. And he wants to do the same thing in our lives. But the, oftentimes what happens is, is the worry comes and we think, ah, oh, we minimize it. Ah, oh, it's not that, that big of a deal. I'm not going to pray. We don't pray or we get, you know, preoccupied with something. And so we don't. And all the, all the while, it's like God's just saying, hey, I, ju- I just need you to call out and ask me for help in this. You know, and so number one, we got to replace the worry. Um, we substitute worry with with prayer. And so uh, first, uh, Peter 5.7 says it this way, cast all of your cares, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all on Him, for He cares for you with deepest affections, and He watches over you very carefully. I, uh, Tyler, why don't you come up here real quick? I got an example. And I know Tyler, you know, Tyler's been working out, okay? And, uh, and so I brought this five-pound weight, and I know he's not eating sugar because, like, on Wednesday night he didn't eat sugar either. So what I want you to do is I just want you to hold this thing out, you know, with one arm. Okay, just hold that out. You know, and now, so, so here's the deal. You know, you guys can see Tyler. I mean, he's, he's a football player. He's been eating well. He's been lifting weights. His dad's been feeding him, you know, high-protein high supplements and things of that nature. So he's good, good to go, right? But see, the thing is, is that we pick up, we pick things up, we pick weights up just like this. And then we go through life and we think, oh, it's not that big a deal. You know, I could hold this up for how long you think you could hold that up? He doesn't know. You know, he could, you know, we think he could probably hold this up for a minute, right? Now, listen, here's the deal. What happens is we start to pick up more weights and, 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 we, and we just kind of add to that. You, you good? Okay. <laughs> Not for long. But we fight it. No, you got to fight it. Just fight it. Like, we got we to gotta see the fight. We got to see the facial expression. These people are they're looking for a show. Like, how long can you do this, right? 
Now he's smiling on the outside, but on the inside there's pain. Specifically in this deltoid region right here, there's lots and lots of pain. And then, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's, that's good. You can sit down, thanks. Yeah, give him a hand. He needs a hand because he can't clap with his own hand. You know, and, and that's what we do with worry. It's what we do with anxiety. It's like we, we hold on to it. And we're like, ah, it's just a little, little something. No big deal. I can hold on to this for a little while. It's not going to affect me. I can deal with it. But the problem is, is that the longer that we hold on to it, just as Tyler was doing it, on the outside we're, we're trying to smile like everything's okay. And on the inside, man, it's like we're dying, right? Our shoulder's dying. Our heart hurts. We've been hurt. And that's not what God wants for us. He, he, he wants good for us. And so we have to, we, ha- we can't hold on to that problem. We can't, we can't hold on to that stress or that worry or that weight in our lives. You know, if it's, a, if it's a hurt, we can't continue to dwell on it and continue to, to keep it. We have to let go of the stress quickly. We have to see that weight that, that's, that's on us as, you know what, this was never intended for me. All this stress that I have in my life, all this worry, this anxiety, I have to let it go. We just, we just got done reading it there in 1 Peter. What did it say? Cast all your cares on Him. Cast them off. Throw them away. Get rid of them. Let them go. The Word of God to you today is you have to put the weight down. You can't worship God if your hands are full and holding on to stress and fear and anxiety. You know, Corey Tinboon said it this that way that worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Goes on to say, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what it is that you have need of and thank him for all he has done. So that's how we do it. You know, when we're, when, we're, when we're tempted to pick it up and carry it, we have, to be, we have to be quick. We have to say, no, 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 no. And what we do is we drop the weight and we, and we cross our hands and we say, Lord, I come to you. And today, this, this right here represents my worry. This represents my anxiety. This represents my hurt. This represents my pain. And Father, I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your direction with this. And so I'm leaving this at your feet. Just as First Peter, we read First Peter, I'm casting my care on you, right? The problem is, is that when we get done praying, we, we're tempted to do this. But we can't. We have to say, nope, I'm leaving it there. And I'm walking away from what it is that I just set before him. Through prayer, I set it before him. And I, and I guess my encouragement to you is when you're tempted to do, you know, to, to pick it up again, what you need to be doing in your heart of hearts, like just another prayer. Father, I just thank you that I let that go. I just thank you, Father, that you're helping me. I just thank you that you're strengthening me. I thank you, Father, that, that I am tempted. I know that I'm tempted, but I'm not going to pick it back up. I put it in your hands. I'm trusting that you're dealing with it. I'm trusting that you're working in that situation. I trust that you're helping me with my kid. I thank you that, that, that my son or daughter is coming back. I thank you, Father God, that you're restoring my, my family or restoring my marriage, whatever it is, in your walk, 
You don't even, I mean, you can be in your car, you can be walking down the hall, you can be doing whatever. It's just that moment where you just take that moment to pray instead of carry the worry. Number two says it this way. We choose to be grateful rather than thankless. We choose to worship in the midst of tragedy and crisis. Worship is a focus of our attention. Rather than exalting the problem, right, we choose to exalt God over the problem. That's what we need to practice. You know, and, 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 and during praise and worship, it's like I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, um, it's like we, th- we sing three songs. And it's kind of like for anybody that's ever worked out, it's like you do three sets of ten. It's like, whew, glad that's over with, right? But people that, 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 that you know, progress and move forward and grow and develop, it's like, no, 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 no. We're going to do one more set, right? And so we just say, oh, Father, I'm just going to push through. I thank you. I praise you. And we, and we push through. We exercise that muscle, so to speak, in our lives. So we choose to be grateful rather than thankless. We choose to live and walk by faith. Fear sees the problem. Faith sees the answer. In your notes there, fear talks the circumstances, but faith speaks the solution. These points are, just remind me of the 12 spies. You guys remember them? They, they were sent into the land, into the promised land, and 10 of them came back, and what did they see? They, they spoke the circumstances. They, they, they were not in faith. They, they saw the problem, they saw the circumstances, and that's what was coming out of their mouth. We can't do it. It's too big. There's walled cities. Ten of them. But two of them, remember Joshua and Caleb? They didn't do that. They were men of faith. They had the spirit of faith. They, they answered with faith. They spoke the solution. No, man, our God is with us. He cares, and he will be with us. That's the response of faith. And so we have to choose to be grateful rather than thankless. You know, it's kind of like Jesus in the boat. You know, we talked about that a couple weeks ago where, you know, he's sleeping in the boat and these guys are, are you know, they're sinking. And they come to him and they're like, we're sinking, Lord. But I think that in, in, in Jesus' mind, he's like, listen, let it sink. I can walk on water, <laughs> right? In our lives, that's the attitude that we need to have. It's like, yeah, let it sink. We're good. Jesus, Jesus will help me to walk on water. He'll help me to get through this. It may look like it's going down. Maybe it needs to go down. And God will help me walk on the water. And so Philippians 3.1 says it this way. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians 4.7 says it this way. Then you will experience God's peace. You'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that you can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. I like what the Passion Translation says. It says that it transcends human understanding. You know, and this is really my go-to scripture for myself and anybody that I come along or come in contact with that, man, they're needing peace. And all hell is broken loose in their life and they have crisis and and they're hurt. It's like, listen, you need the peace of God. 
You don't need your own human understanding, your own, okay, if I can just, like we talked about, salve this and make this okay. No, you need the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's a peace that only God can give and only God can bring, but it comes when we look to Him, when we practice these things, when we walk in faith, that it's like, you know what, I don't understand this, Lord, but I'm putting my trust, I'm putting my hope, I'm putting my faith in You. And I'm trusting that just as you told me that you're going to bring the peace of God that passes all of my understanding, my reasoning, and brings me peace. And I can speak firsthand in my life that when when you put those things into practice in your life, God will bring peace that that only he can give. And it is amazing to have an experience. And so I just encourage you to to maybe bookmark that and and, and come back to that. That it's like, Lord, I'm asking you for this. I'm asking for that. I don't understand this situation, you know, through like we talked about, through prayer. I don't understand what's going on. But I'm trusting because you told me that you would bring peace that passes all my understanding, that guards my heart and my mind. And I guarantee you, you continue to look to him and you continue to trust him for that. He will bring that to pass in your life. Also, another thing is, is as people of faith, number three, we rest in God's peace even when nothing makes sense. We rest in God's peace even when nothing makes sense. I know... Years ago, when Rachel and I were getting ready to buy a house, we found this house and we were so excited, right? Because uh, there was a little bit of nervousness, but we found this house and we really liked it. We weren't real sure how we were going to pay for it and how, we, how that was all going to work out, but it's like, finally, there's a house that we like that's in our budget and, and, and there was excitement. But what happened was is that we paid to have some inspections done and this guy goes in and he red tags the furnace because it was blown, you know, carbon monoxide. And man, Rachel and I were just like, we were just bummed because it's like, here it is. And, and so we thought, okay, well, maybe they'll pay for it and they'll fix it because obviously it's still their house and that's kind of the way it goes, right? Well, they came back to us and they said, no, we're not fixing the furnace. You guys can fix the furnace. We got a bid. It's $4,000. You guys can pay for it. And I'm thinking, uh, that doesn't make any sense, right? But all the while, it's like, Lord, you know, man, I've been praying, we've been praying, we've been agreeing in faith. Surely, you know, this is, this is your will, this is what you want, and this is what you desire, and, and now all of a sudden, it's, this whole deal's getting screwed up, you know, and, and so all of those things start going through your mind. And so we told them, we're like, no, we can't do that, and so the, the purchase agreement, you know, basically went out, and, and the deal went away. And we went, and we rented this little house, and uh, we call it the mouse house to this day, lovingly. And why do I say mouse house? Well, in no September of the year, uh, the mouse mice moved in and we moved out. Okay, I, I'm not kidding you. They were having a party. They're like, "Hey, got we man, we got we got pop, we got sandwiches, cheese, everything. Come on in." I mean, it, and I was in the bed one night, bedroom one night, and Rachel's like, "Are those mice?" I'm like, "Absolutely not. Those are not mice." I had to lie to her, but I'm not kidding you. They were out there like, you know, having a party. <laughs> Woo! You know, just like everything. That, the only thing that was missing was music. Uh, and uh, so the next morning, I think she knew that I lied to her. And she's like, I'm out of here. Okay. And uh, I'm going to your parents. I don't care what you do. And so she left. And I wasn't going to just stay there with the mice, you know. So uh, I left too. So this is all part of the story. Okay. It's all part of the story. So these people call us back. And they say, 
We fixed the furnace and we lowered the price. And I said, now you're talking. And so we offered them, you know, uh, made an offer a few, few thousand dollars less than what they lowered it. And so at the end of the day, I ended up buying this house for substantially less than I was originally going to pay for it. And we got a new furnace out of the deal. And so the point that I'm trying to make is, is that we have to rest in God's peace even when nothing makes sense. There's going to be times in our lives where it's like we don't understand, it doesn't make sense, we're, we're, we're confused, we're, we're kind of maybe questioning, like, where is God in this? And, and, but the reality of it is, is that we have to stay in that place of rest, where, where it's like, Lord, I trust in you. I'm resting in your promise that you are going to watch over me as your child of God. You're going to take care of me. You're going to care for me. You're going to give me exactly what it is I need, and probably better than what it is that, that, that I had in mind. And he always does. He always comes through. But we have to stay in that place of rest. It's the key. It's the key that really unlocks what it is that God wants to do in our lives because a lot of times we get impatient and we start to push and we start to make things happen and we start to, you know, uh, and we've all been there. where We buy something or we do something and it's like, gosh darn it, that was a mistake, right? Lord, forgive me, right? So it's just better to rest be, 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 you know, a few steps behind God instead of two or three steps out in front of God and saying, hey, God, where are you at, right? We need to be behind him and in that place of rest where we rest in his peace even when nothing makes sense. So let's clarify. Uh, in your notes there, peace is not the absence of problems, but peace in the midst of problems. Having peace doesn't mean We'll have a question, uh, our questions answered, but we'll have peace when there are no answers. There's, there's going to be things in life, guys, that, that happen where it's like you don't have the answers. But God wants to bring that peace into your life. He wants you to be at rest. And so you just need to, in your heart of hearts, be like, you know what, Lord, I don't understand, but I'm going to continue to trust you. I'm going to continue to rely on you. And that is when he can bring that peace into your life. But if you, if you spend your life questioning and, 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 and just questioning in your mind, you leave that place of rest. You leave that place that he wants you to be in. And so therefore, he cannot bring that peace into your life. So you have to stay in that place. Look what it says here in Romans 15, 13. It says, I pray that God, the source of, of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him i should have underlined it so he's your source of hope and he's going to give you joy and peace but what does it say it says we have to trust in him and it goes on to say then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the holy spirit he wants to bring, he wants to be that to you, but we have to trust in him. Look at what it says here in Philippians 4 8, moving on. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think on these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So that's another thing that we can do. You know, we can pray. But also, it's like we have to catch ourselves. What are, what are my thoughts fixed on? What am I thinking about? 
And we have to arrest ourselves. And like the Word of God says, we have, to, we have to take those thoughts in. We have to examine them. We have to make sure what kind of life is attached to this thought. Is this going to bring me death or is this going to bring me life? And once we, once we realize that, it's like, no, you know, Philippians 4.8 says that I need to dwell on and think on good things. And that's the admonition that we have here. So number four, as people of faith, we need to align our thoughts with the Word of God. When we think contrary to the Word of God's God, our thoughts are defeated. Peace is the result of setting our mind in agreement with God's good news and His Word. That's what peace is. It's the result of setting our mind and fixing our mind on the promises of God. Look at what Isaiah 26 and 3 says. It says that you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Philippians 4.9 goes on to say, Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything that you heard from me and saw me doing. So Paul is basically admonishing the, the church at Philippi, saying, listen, I did these things. I'm not telling you, I'm not asking you to do something that I didn't do. Put your trust in him. Go to him with thanksgiving and prayer and pray and he will bring you peace. Number five, as people of faith, we stick to the basics of faith. Stick to the basics of faith. I don't know, for all of you guys maybe that played sports uh, in college and in high school, it's like every single week after a game, it's like we come back in, it's like, all right, we're going to do the basics. The basics? I don't want to do the basics. But the basics are the foundation. They're the fundamentals of, of, of the operation. It's what makes everything work. And the same is true when it comes to faith. And so we stay faithful. What are the basics? We stay faithful. We, we understand and know that Jesus is the Lord of our life and our thoughts and our actions. As disciples of Christ, we live, we love, we serve, we give like Jesus. We, we operate in the Great Commission that we go into all the, all the world and we share the good news. We, you know, here at the church, we're reaching and building people. That's what our, our whole purpose is. And so we continue in that. That's a basic. Um, we continue to remind ourselves that we are children of God. We're washed, we're cleansed, we're, we're, we're uh, righteous in his sight. And we continue to feed on the word. And as we said at the very beginning, we pray. Those are the foundations and the basics of faith. Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says, For I have learned how to be content in whatever it is that I have. I know how to live in uh, uh, almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is full, uh, a full stomach or an empty stomach. Verse 13 says, For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Now listen. Paul, if you guys didn't know, he was, he was beat with rods, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, right? In his life, he was in prison. He wrote this scripture, and he's like, listen, I know how to be content. I know, I know that there's been times where I've had a lot, and there's been times where I've had a little. So in our lives, we can have that, that same contentment that Paul had. And we can be like, you know, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter, uh, you know, the crisis, it's like, no, man, Paul, Paul, Paul give us a great example that we can be content and we can, we can uh, live with him and he, he's going to strengthen us and guide us in our lives. 1 John 4.4 4 says it this way, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
It's a great scripture, man. I say it to myself often when I'm out and about, just like, oh, I just thank you, Father God. The greater is he that's inside of me than he that's in this world. Why? Because we're in this world, but we're not of it. I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of consternation. There's a lot of, you know, fighting and backbiting and viruses and different things like that. But it's like, I'm not, I'm not moved by that. Why? Because greater is he that is on the inside of me than he that is in the world. And so we have to walk our lives with that confidence that, that, that that's how God, that's, that's what Jesus demonstrated to the disciples throughout the New Testament. We're encouraged to walk as he walked. He did what it is that, that, that he, he did everything. And he said, I'm going to leave you with this. I'm leaving you with the Holy Spirit. Now it's up to you to walk out what it is, to do what it is. Like Paul said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, just do it. Be at peace. It goes on to say here in Philippians 4.13, I have strength for all things in Christ whom, who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength in me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I love what that says. I am ready for anything and equal to to anything through him who infuses me with strength. And the same thing is true for you guys. He, he wants to infuse strength into you. You are equal to anything, and he wants to bring that peace into your life. I, I thought of another scripture, and I didn't put it in here, but I just want to read it because it's found in 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8. It says, though we experience every kind of pressure, every kind of pressure we're not crushed at times we don't know what to do but quitting is not an option we are persecuted by others but God has not forsaken us we may be knocked down but we're not knocked out it goes on to say at the end of the scripture we view our slight short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. And I tell you guys, you know, I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on. But just as we're admonished here, it's like, listen, things may not be good. There might be crisis that's, that you don't know what the answer is, but, but God wants to bring you into that place of peace. And the greatest promise that we have is, is that it's short-lived. I know in the moment it doesn't feel short-lived. But he's telling us it's, it's momentary. And in the light of eternity, it's amazing. And so we have to look at it in that light that, man, this is momentary. It feels like forever, but it's momentary. He tells me that it's momentary. And so it's just a great promise to us that, it, that it's, it, it's, it's small, it's short. John 14, 27, the last scripture here, it says, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart and the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Let's pray.